it's not, I'll have to raise my voice. The reading today from Psalm 98 should be up on the screen behind me. Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and blasts of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people with equity. Amen. Let the Lord bless his word to our hearts. Uh, let me pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, it's cold outside, it's cold in here. Lord, would you warm our hearts uh, by your gospel. Lord, would you sanctify us in truth. Your word is truth. Lord, we come to you this morning needing you, needing to hear from you. So we pray that you'd speak through your word. Lord, thank you for um, the fact that all scripture is God-breathed and all scripture points to you, Lord Jesus. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, open our ears, open our hearts. May we receive um, your word to us this morning, and may we have uh, great joy as we hear about you, Lord Jesus. I ask this in your name. Amen. Um, does anyone want to volunteer uh, their favorite carol? Go on. Be brave. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Thou who was rich beyond all measure. O come all ye faithful. No one say a, like a Welsh name, otherwise I won't be able to repeat it. <laughs> uh, one more. O little town of Bethlehem. Very good. Um, so we are carrying on our series this morning, Christmas in the Old Testament. And this morning we're looking, uh, Clive read it to us, Psalm 98. And whenever I was chatting to Matt about this psalm this week, he went, really? Which, you know, obviously immediately fills you with confidence. <laughs> um, so why are we looking at the psalm and why do we start with that uh, little activity? Um, this psalm, Psalm 98, which Clive read to us, was the inspiration behind the, ca the carol, Joy to the World. Joy to the World, written by Isaac Watts, who wrote it as he reflected, meditated upon Psalm 98 and Genesis 3 that we looked at two weeks ago. And originally, he, he wrote it, and it wasn't meant to be a Christmas carol, but then someone got hold of it and did the catchy melody, jingle, I'm not a musician, melody, let's go with melody. Um, and now it is the most published Christmas hymn in North America, which is quite funny, not the way he originally planned it, but here we are, Joy to the World, most published Christmas hymn in North America. And the interesting thing, I think, as we look at this psalm, you know, the inspiration behind this uh, wonderful carol, Joy to the World, is that many things that we read in this psalm are things that our Western ears may profoundly disagree with or be very skeptical about. You know, in, in the verses in front of you, we see that the Lord is a warrior, that he's a king, and that he's a judge, warrior, king, and judge. 
you don't think joy whenever you hear those words, do you? Warrior, king, and judge. I don't immediately go, joy, a warrior. But, you know, we, we need to think about this because it's helpful to remember at Christmas when we think about the incarnation, little baby Jesus born in a manger, that little baby, Lord Jesus, is a warrior, a king, and a judge. And in fact, we also need to remember that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity that we find in the Bible, are, are warrior, king, and judge because they share the exact same nature. But as I've already mentioned, those three images you know, are challenging to our Western world, our Western mindset. We love the idea of little baby Jesus, but little baby Jesus, who is warrior, king, and judge, is much harder to stomach. So let's have a look. And as we, as we look at Psalm 98, we'll find three reasons we can have joy this Christmas. Three reasons we can have joy this Christmas, which feels like a bold claim, because I know some of you, and I, well, I know all of you, but I know some of the weeks that you've had. Having joy this Christmas feels miles and miles away. But trust me, as we look at God's word, there are three reasons, and many more reasons, to be honest, in this psalm for us to have joy this Christmas. Reason number one, God is at work in this world, which means he has not left us. And we see that in verses one to three specifically. And you'll, you'll notice, as Clive had read to us, you'll notice there's a lot of singing going on in the psalm. You know, singing is a great way to show that you have joy, that you're celebrating something. You know, all you have to do is go to a concert or a stadium to know that. But do a quick scan with me. You know, in verse one, sing. Verse four, shout for joy. You know, make music in verse five. Shout for joy again in verse six. The seas and the earth resound in verse 7. The rivers clap their hands. The mountains sing for joy in verse 8. But we finally sing again in verse 9. So why do the people of God sing? Why do the people of God sing? Well, in verses 1 to 3, we notice that the, the people of God are celebrating because God has done, look at the words, marvelous things for them. He saved them. If you look down, you, you see the word salvation. It occurs three times in those first three verses. You know, salvation, the idea of being saved, redeemed, brought out of slavery. Three times we're celebrating, God's people are celebrating because they've been saved. What does that mean? Saved people are singing people. Saved people are singing people. Now, to give you <clears throat> a wee bit of context, commentators don't know exactly when or what the occasion was for this psalm, why it was written, but we know that the people of God are celebrating, singing, having great joy because God has saved them. Notice in verse 1, sing to the Lord a new song because God has done these marvelous things. Now at Christmas, we love rolling out the old classics, don't we? We love to celebrate with the old classic carols and remember the true meaning of Christmas. But these does this mean we're not allowed to sing those old songs? Well, we need to remember, firstly, this psalm is not written about Christmas carols. But we also need to know, what does it mean to sing to the Lord a new song? David Mathis puts it like this. New songs of praise are appropriate for new rescues and fresh manifestations of grace. New songs of praise are appropriate for new rescues and fresh manifestations of grace. Or to put it another way, much more simply, New songs are for new mercies. New songs are for new mercies. Whenever God's people experience God's saving work in their lives, they respond in song. Saved people are singing people. And if it's true what the Bible says, that every morning there are new mercies, 
every morning you wake up, you have a reason to sing. You have a reason to sing every single morning, which is completely mental, because most mornings you wake up, you flick on the news, miserable, so miserable. You, Christian, this morning can sing. You can have joy. Look down with me again at verse one. The word marvelous things could be translated as miraculous things or miracles. He does miraculous things to save his people, as we see in verse two. So, Uh, We don't know the context, but for the Jews who read this, they could look back and remember all the ways God had worked in their history. You know, we we heard about it last week from Matt, rescuing them out of Egypt by the blood of the Passover lamb. A miracle. How God had made Abraham, an old man with an old wife, Sarah, who could not have children, into a great nation. You know, God had worked in their past. He was working in their present, which gave them confidence for the future. Now, how did God bring about these miraculous things? Well, look down with me. It says it in verse one, God's right hand and holy arm are the ones that have worked this marvelous thing, this miraculous salvation. In biblical terms, the right arm, the right hand is a sign of strength, power, and the ability. God can do what he wants, basically. But, but notice with me, it is only his arm that's doing these miracles. Why do I draw attention to that? Well, if you're just using your right arm, you're not exerting yourself, are you? You know, you do that to swat away a fly or annoying brother or sister. Get away from me. You know, th- this is his right arm, his right hand. God uses, that's all he needs to do is saving deeds in the world. But again, notice with me in the psalm, and I know it's really obvious, but it's God and God alone who's doing the marvelous things. He is the one who's saving people. God plans it himself and does it himself. He is mighty, he's powerful, and he needs absolutely no help. You can have joy this morning. You can sing a new song this morning because you do not have to do it all yourself. You know, Christmas, the time of anxiety, stress, worry, you can know that the almighty powerful God this Christmas is bigger and greater than any of your problems because all he needs to do is use his right arm, his right hand, and he can deal with it. He is mighty. Is that not the promise of Christmas? Emmanuel, God with us, almighty, powerful God with us. But let's dig in a little bit more. We've already noted that God has saved the people of Israel by the miraculous means of his right arm. Why has he done this? Why has he done this? Look down again at verse three. It's because he's remembered his love and faithfulness to Israel. Time and again, when you read your Bible, you'll notice that God remembers his promises to his people. And you might think, you know, if you have a head like a sieve, like me, you might think that is the miraculous thing. God, God remembers. He never, ever forgets. But I think this is a helpful reminder to us from the psalm. You know, though for us, it may be a miracle that we, you know, remember anything. God never, ever forgets. He always remembers his promises to his people. Why can we be so sure of that? Well, because, look, it's tied up in his righteousness. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. You know, that's the psalmist's way of saying God can be trusted because God is perfect. He is morally perfect. He cannot forget. He cannot forget, which means this morning, if you fail, if you fail in your heart that God has forgotten you, completely forgotten you, you can know the objective truth of God's word. He is righteous. He will not forget you. Never will he leave you nor forsake you. 
this morning or for any morning that is to come because he is righteous. Now, many commentators note that Psalm 98 links quite nicely to Mary's song, the Magnificat in the New Testament. So if you flick over to Luke, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, verse 54 and 55. This is Mary's song. She's singing a new song because she's received this promise of Jesus coming. Mary sings, verse 54 and 55. He has has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. You can know this morning that God is at work in this world, in your life, because he came to this world. He didn't say, I'm leaving them on their own. He came, he stepped into this world. This is my favorite Christmas carol, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. They always bring me comfort. You know, on my Spotify playlist, this is one of my top played songs all throughout the year, because I listen to it all year. I'm listening to this in July. I'm mental. But here it is. Uh, Come to earth to taste our sadness. He whose glories knew no end. By his life, he brings us gladness, our redeemer, our shepherd, our friend, leaving riches without number, born within a cattle stall. This the everlasting wonder. Christ was born, the Lord of all. You can have joy because Christ came to this earth. He came to this earth so that you may have joy for every single day you're on this planet. Let's move on to the second reason we can have certain joy this Christmas. And the the second reason is that God is the king. God is the king. He is always in control. And we see that in verses 4 to 6. Let me read them to you again. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the king. So in verses 1 to 3, we just had the voices, and now we have musical instruments. You know, God gives us joy, but he also gives us gifts. He gives us gifts to enjoy and to use in worshiping him. God wants us to worship him in the fullest way possible. So note, there's harps, trumpets, horns, and one commentator noted, you know, with all these different things going on, there had to be a certain amount of skill involved to make all these instruments blend together and sound good, which makes me very thankful for all the people who make our music possible on a Sunday morning. The sound, the PowerPoint, the musicians, what a joy it is to be able to sing together. You know, think about this time last year on Zoom, in your little room, no, no musicians, just listening to your laptop. You can remember and have joy. We can sing this morning. You'll notice in verses 4 and 6, if you look down, we are twice told to shout for joy, to sing with joy. Singing to God should never be dreary. Singing to God should never be dreary. Actually, we read in Ezra 3 that the sound of people singing could be heard far away even whilst they were mourning. Even in the deepest sadness of your life, you always have a reason to sing. The reason why we sing is firstly, we sing to the Lord. We worship and adore him, but we also sing for each other to encourage one another, to to spur one another on. We believe these things. We're singing these things together. And finally, we sing for ourselves to remember the truth, to enjoy it, to enjoy worshiping our God in heaven. But why is the psalmist encouraging the people to sing in these verses specifically? Well, we see it in verse 6, don't we? 
God is the king. Shout for joy before the Lord, the king. Now, what does the Bible mean whenever it says that the Lord is the king? Well, it's used in human language to help us understand something about his character. So let's think about a king. So a king, a king has power, doesn't he? Whenever a king makes a law or a rule in those days, it had to be followed and obeyed. And if you didn't, you were an enemy of the king. You were in rebellion against him. But he didn't only have power, he also had authority. He was the rightful king. So for the people of Israel, you had to be anointed. You had to be from the line of David to be a king. So he has power, but he has authority, which means whenever he speaks, whenever he makes these laws, they should be obeyed. And whenever he thinks specifically about God being the king, whenever he gives laws, whenever he gives rules, he knows how the world should work because he designed it. The people, as they, as they thought about this, worshiping God the king, they would know what a good king and a bad king looked like because they would point them to the ultimate king. Another thing about a king, a king has control. A king knows what's going on in his kingdom, doesn't he? He has the ability to execute judgment and to ensure that justice is done. And for the people of Israel specifically, that meant making sure the oppressed, the helpless, the poor, the injustice was punished. You know, it was for people's good in Israel's day that there was a king. And a king, of course, has a kingdom. He has a people. He rules over them. He protects them and cares for them. And they obey his reign and rule. This morning, if you're a Christian, you know the true king of the universe who rules over you, who protects you, and cares for you. Now, again, just to remind you, the psalmist who wrote this, they knew exactly what it looked like whenever there was a good king and a bad king. And it would always, always give them comfort. No matter what government was in place, they knew that over that government was the king of kings, the one king who could be trusted, who had all power, all authority, and all control. You can have joy this Christmas because you are under the good and righteous reign of the true king. Now, it isn't hard to notice that when we read these verses, the psalm calls for the whole world to worship God the king. And you'll know yourself that that is not the situation we find ourselves in today, is it? You know, all people do not worship God as their king, which, you know, if it's true that God's rule is the best rule, that he's the protecting king who sets good rules for his people to protect, care for them, and to allow them to flourish. If people do not know King Jesus, they are missing out. They are missing out. Do we ever think like this? If someone does not know King Jesus, they are missing out on life. <laughs> I don't think like that, but we need to remind ourselves of that. People who are not under his kingly rule are missing out on joy. They're missing out on everlasting joy being under the rightful rule of King Jesus. Because I touched on it earlier, no matter how good a person may be, how happy they may seem, if they're not obeying and following the rule of the righteous king, they're by definition a rebel. The best, arm, uh, the best soldier in a rebel army is still a rebel, which is why I left the flyer. But this is why at Christmas we proclaim Christ as king, there's a king who entered into history to protect his people, to protect his kingdom. But he didn't come to a palace, but to a manger to win back the very rebels who reject him. And at Christmas, we proclaim Christ is king. He came humbly to a stable, and one day he's coming back when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Our king is coming. 
and you can know that king this morning. If you'll indulge me, I love the Lord of the Rings. And in, in that book, the way that you can see the rightful king of Gondor is that he has healing hands. The king has healing hands. And at Christmas time, we remember that the true king of the whole universe's hands bring healing because they were pierced for you. You can have joy this Christmas because God the king stepped into history and he is in control. Which brings us to our third and final point, which is God is the judge. He's coming back. Verses seven to nine. You notice with me again the progression that we have. We've gone from just voices to voices with instruments and to now all of creation singing God's praises. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. It makes me think of Jesus coming to Jerusalem. If the people didn't cry out and praise, the rocks themselves would cry out. And why is that? It's because the rocks are perfectly following the king's commands. Rock is doing exactly what the king commanded, which is much more than I can say for myself very often. You know, as that wonderful uh, carol, Joy to the World, says, heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. Why on earth should all creation be singing out to the Lord? Well, we read it in verse 9, don't we? They should sing because the Lord is coming to judge the earth. Now, again, think back to the psalmist's original context. Why would God coming as judge be such good news? Why would they be so excited about this? Surely a judge is a bad thing. Well, in the days of the psalmist, the people who uh, judged depended on the kings, really. You know, if you had a good king, you had good judges, and a bad king meant bad judges. And think about it, we already looked at it, actually, in Malachi. You know, a corrupt judge, a corrupt king meant, for the nation, a moral slump. People could get away with literal murder. But even, even if it was a good king, even the best human judge is fallible. They can be deceived, they can get it wrong, they can be bribed. So for the psalmist, as they looked out in a world where there seemed to be corrupt and unjust things everywhere, they rejo rejoiced and looked forward to the fact that the Lord was coming to judge because they knew the Lord himself would not get it wrong. Justice would come in righteousness and, you see it in verse 9, don't you, with equity. It would be equal fair, and good judgment. Now, we struggle with this idea of completely fair judgment because it seems to be in human nature to not really trust a judge's decision. Um, story time. Um, this week, my car had its MOT, and it failed miserably. And, you know, as soon as I get the results back, you know, I'm on the phone, and the mechanic uh, says, oh, it's, it's failed. I'm immediately questioning that judgment. You know, immediately question that judgment that has been passed on my car. You know, initially I'm like, it's Christmas. Well, it's November, it's not Christmas. Uh, but I'm thinking, the handbrake is fine. You know, oh, that doesn't matter. You're nitpicking here. You're being so harsh. You're just trying to steal my money. And of course, I didn't say a single one of these things because I'm very British and I just thought it in my head. But you know, here is me as unqualified as they come. So unqualified. No, absolutely not. Like, I couldn't even put my uh, washer fluid in properly, I don't think. But, you know, here's me, completely unqualified, passing judgment on the health of my car. 
pass, you know, passing judgment on someone who is extremely qualified to say this car has completely failed. You know, and as I reflected on that sizable bill as I drove back from the garage, I couldn't help but think, you know, in the past few weeks, I have been deliberately ignoring, you know, noises, warning lights on my car, because I didn't want to acknowledge the fact that my car did not pass the standard. It did not pass the test. Whenever the Lord Jesus comes to judge the earth, people will sing for joy because absolutely no one, not even this bold Irishman will say, that is not fair, that is not just, because he knows what justice is. You know, we talked earlier about God being a king, and the king lays the laws of the land, and he says, the wages of sin, of disobedience, of rebellion is death. The, the judge, the perfect judge of the whole earth says, your sin deserves death. And yet at Christmas, we celebrate, we sing a new song about the fact that though the wages of sin is death, God gives us freely the greatest gift possible, the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. God, both judge and justifier, this Christmas, we have the opportunity to sing and celebrate that almighty God, the one who saves his people, the king, the judge, became a little baby, born into obscurity and poverty, raised in a trade, wandered with people who didn't even know who he was, hung on a cross for those who nailed him there. You know, the judge of the whole earth, having the punishment we deserve laid on him. You know, we are so grateful this, this morning. We can know him as warrior, king, judge, and friend. That whenever he comes back to judge the earth, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. If you don't know him, you have time to know this almighty king who came to this earth to save us, to reconcile us. You have time to know him before he comes back to judge. And we have a chance to let as many people in this lost world know about until that day comes. Let's go get him this Christmas. Let's proclaim Christ, the king, the warrior, the judge, and let all know that there is a God, that he reigns and he rules, and he loves them, and he died for them. Let me pray. Um, Lord God Almighty, we thank you that, um, Lord, we have so many reasons to sing, to celebrate, to worship and adore you. Lord, thank you that um, you're a warrior, that you're king, and that you're a judge, and that you're um, you're working in our lives now, and that you're coming back soon. Lord, we pray that many people will come to know and love you this Christmas. Um, Lord, thank you that though you're mighty, you use us, you use us, feeble jars of clay that we are. Lord, would you be glorified in our lives. Amen.